Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and also for me that my words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings life. We thank you that it brings power. We thank you that it strengthens us and encourages us. God, as we step into this moment, we know that you are here with us, and I ask you to speak clearly through me, God. I ask you to change us and form us because of what you do here, that when we leave, we look more like you God we act more like you we share more of who we who you are with the places you have placed each and every one of us and I thank you that this word goes into good soil God hearts that are open and ready Jesus and we lift up your name amen Amen, amen. You can be seated if you're standing. As we step into this, we're jumping into the next kind of three chapters or three verses. We're gonna look at 13 through 15 today as we just keep walking through this passage. But before we do that, this is a look back at what happened last week for those of you who were not here. Have you ever been watching a show, you know, and like they have those little like recaps at the beginning? And if you're binging it, you get to skip that because you're like, I know what just happened. I watched it 10 seconds ago. I do not, and you get to skip forward. But the recap is in case you jump in and you happen to miss what happened last week. We have a quick recap, and here's the secret. It might feel like the recap is for those of you who missed, but really the recap is for those of you who are here. Because let me tell you what happens in our house is Phil starts a new show and he'll be like, I'm really into this new show. It's super cool. And then he'll be like three episodes into the new show and I'll come sliding in the living room. But now that I've slid into the living room on episode three, the whole time through the episode, I'm like, wait, so is that the good person or the bad person? And he's like, you weren't here. You don't know. And I'm like, oh, wait, so are those two together or, does she, or is she trying to take him out? 
And he's like, you don't know what's going on in this. So this is actually for you if you were here last week so that your neighbor who missed last week all week isn't going, wait, so we're putting on the what right now? So I'm just going to catch them up real quick because last week as we jumped in, we know that he started with, Paul starts this section with finally. And we had to look back and say, what are these themes that Paul is walking us to that by the time he gets to this place, he's saying finally. And one of the themes that he was walking us through is something that we demonstrated today is this picture of unity. That when you come into the family of God, you are coming into a new place of unity where your first identity is not whatever neighborhood you came from or whatever socioeconomic thing you think you're hanging your hat of your identity on. Your first and foremost identity is that I am a child of God. And so when we come into this place, we fight for our our unity because Paul lays out for them that our unity becomes our place of power and our unity becomes a weapon that we use against the the plans of the enemy against us and he says to them the reason that we can become in unity together is because we have found ourselves in okay if you were here last week I need a little bit more backup from you that we were in that's right that we are now in Christ, that we are found ourselves in Christ. When we said yes to Jesus, we moved into a place of being in Christ. And we, when we are in him, it means the things that are available to us are everything that Christ has access to. And that we are, have access to it through his might and through his marvelous capability. And also that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again and we came into Christ, that we had access to an inheritance in him, that we are in unity together, we find ourselves in Christ, and that we have access to an inheritance of the creator of heavens and earth, which is important because part of what we talked about last week is though we are talking about our weapons of war, and though we are talking about battle ready, we don't have to be in an offensive position and in an offensive place where we are going to take ground and take territory because Jesus already purchased all of it for us. And so we stand. We stand with our feet planted and we stand with our heads held high and we stand with our shoulders back because he has called us to stand. And we're gonna look again today at how Paul repeats this idea that you are standing ground. You are standing your place. You are defending the inheritance that is already yours, that you already have access to in the heavenly realms. And that Paul reminds us that our war and our fight and our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against physical things, which means we don't have to reach out and grasp on physical things and we don't have to fight with physical structures or physical people. But our, our war and our battle is in the heavenly realms, meaning in the spiritual realm, meaning there is a very real force of evil, force of darkness that wants to come and take everything that that God has given us, but just like if someone came and tried to take what belongs to you, tried to take your car, tried to take your home, tried to take your spouse, you would stand your ground and defend that place. Paul says, we are here to stand and to defend the things 
that God has given us as our inheritance. And that's our recap. That's what you missed on last week. And this week we're stepping in to verse 13. And starting in verse 13, it says, I'll put this up here so I can see it better. It says, this is a great place if you're in your Bible to like, um, you know, like box it, highlight it, make sure that you know. That way throughout this week you can be studying. I'm ahead of the game because, you know, I've laid it out. If you look at my Bible, I've got each week in different colors. That way when I look back, you can do that if you want to. That's just a suggestion. I like to like get in my Bible. That's what I'm saying, you know, like get in your Bible when you're studying it. All right, Ephesians 6, 13, it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God. He wants us to take up the whole armor of God. Now, some of you are like, last week he told us to take up the whole armor of God, and that should be a flag, right? Like a green flag to us that this is something that Paul wants us to pay attention to. Anytime he uses repetition in the writing, it's because Paul is saying, this is something that matters to me. This is something that I want you to grasp a hold of, that this armor that I'm talking about is a whole unit. It is a package deal. And when you go to pick up the armor of God, I don't want you leaving pieces of it on the side. And I don't want you leaving elements of it just stranded somewhere, that this is a whole package unit. And also what he's going to do in this scripture is he is going to walk us through the order that this armor would be put on for a real Roman soldier of the time. And what we're looking at today is the foundational elements of the the first things that they would put on are the foundational elements of that armor. Why don't you ask somebody close to you, how's your foundation? How are the foundational elements of your armor? Because this is what often happens is we want to jump ahead to some of the more exciting aspects of, like, anything. You know, anytime, like, have you ever gone into any kind of training or any type of, you know, thing where you're going to learn a new skill? It's like Mr. Miyagi, right? Like, I want to learn how to fight bad guys. And he's like, yeah, we're going to start way down here right? Like my mom used to teach parenting classes. Many of you went through them. And she used to always joke that people would come into the parenting classes and on week one, she would be, they would be like, and how do I discipline my kids? And she'd be like, yeah, we're going to get to that on like week six. We need to start way back here. You know, in everything, I did like a preaching uh, like group and course earlier this year and we jump into it and everybody's like, how do you build an outline and what are your favorite study tools? And they're like, yeah, we're going to start way back here with how do you connect with people? How do you love people? Well, what are the foundational elements? And Paul is saying, yeah, 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 we're going to get to that sword thing. Well, I want to know, how do we get to the foundational elements of what is holding this thing all together? And he tells them the whole thing matters. The whole unit has purpose. We'll get to the value and the purpose of the sword, but I need you to understand what's holding everything together. I need you to know that there is equal weight given to the whole unit of the whole piece of the armor. And I wonder how many, trouble, how many issues we've gotten ourselves into as a church family, body, greater church, because we have preferred certain elements of the armor over other elements of the armor that we haven't really wanted to grasp the whole armor 
of God. And on our different tribes, we tend to emphasize different aspects and forget about other aspects. So we have great, big, strong faith. And not so much emphasis on truth. Oh, we are committed to truth and what it means. But a gospel of peace, well... We tend to lean back on that one. And Paul says, as we get into this thing, I want you to grasp that the whole thing matters. This is not pick your favorite flavor. This is a unit that works together. It is fitted together. And when you put it on, you have to put on the whole entire thing. Because he says, I need you to be prepared for the evil day that we are in, the evil that you may withstand the evil day, that you may withstand the evil day that we are in. And that evil day is really just understood to be the days between the time that Jesus ascended back into heaven and the time when he will return for us, that that is a time, that that is a space when evil wants to press against the people of God and hopes to overcome the people of God. And it is our responsibility to withstand it, to stand in full armor. It is a reminder to us that we are fighting a very real spiritual battle. That it is an evil day that desires to press against us and that the weapons of our warfare are spiritual weapons. He says, I have a spiritual weapon for you, and that's why I need you to do things. It's why we do things like Tuesday morning prayer, where we come out together and say, we are going to push on the atmosphere in this city, and we are going to push on the spiritual forces that want to have this city and want to take what God has given to us, that there are a people who will stand and say, let us push back the evil day and let us push back the plans of the enemy so that we can stand firm. There it is again. He says, withstanding in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand. And having done all. Having done all, it's an interesting little clause there in the middle of to stand and to stand firm. He says, having done all. And I think part of what it speaks to us about is that when we move into or when we find ourselves in moments of crisis, in moments of of pressure, in moments when the enemy is pushing against us, there are practical things that we can do. I don't want us to talk about spiritual warfare and act like spiritual warfare only exists in the spirit realm. There are practical responses when things start swirling around you or when you're trying to push against a generational narrative that has been rolling in the same direction and you want to rearrange what that thing looks like, then there are practical, having done all of those things, Okay, you want to change the narrative of a family that has not held stable jobs. You can't do that by sitting at home and not applying for a job and just praying. You have to, having done all, 
You have to have worked on your resume. You have to have sought advice from incredible women like Dr. Chavers and Dr. Allen and said, what does it take to actually make something of myself? You have to send out resumes somewhere. You have to show up to interviews. You have to respond on time. You have to follow up when they don't follow up with you. And having done all of that, stand. Have you ever been in a crisis moment? In a place where you're trying to press. A crisis, when I say a crisis, I'm talking about when something comes against you, I'm also talking about those things where you're like, I feel like, God, I'm trying to turn this thing. God, I feel like I'm trying to do something different than what I did before. God, I'm trying to adjust the, the, the posture of my sales, and I feel like I've done all the things. I feel like I've laid all the things out. I feel like I've, I've, I've showed up in the place as you're wanting me to show up. I feel like I'm giving it all and still I'm not seeing. Having come to the end of yourself, stand and stand firm. Stand and stand firm. And he's telling them once again, I need you to stand, the number of times he repeats this word stand or withstand throughout these few short, short lines of scripture, Paul is trying to get them to understand that they need to stand in their place, that it is time to guard and to defend what God has already purchased for them, what God has already given to them. It's throughout the New Testament, this idea, this picture that Jesus paid it all, that you are not fighting to bring something out and into you, that when you became in Christ, you stepped into something, something that the enemy wants to steal from you, something that the enemy would love to kill in you, something that the enemy would love to destroy from you. But you, you who are found in Christ, stand therefore, stand firm in that thing, stand in it knowing that he has it all. John said it this way in 1 John four and four, he says, little children, you are from God. That's another way of saying you are now in Christ and have overcome them. Have overcome them. Have overcome them. Not will overcome them. Have overcome them. Not are overcoming them. Have overcome them. It's already happened. For he who is in you is greater than him who is in the world. This thing that you now possess is greater than any force that tries to come against you. And all you have to do is stand. The greatest position an athlete can be in is the defending title holder because all you have to do is not lose. You already hold the title. You already have the momentum behind you. You already have the belief of the crowd. You already have all the bets made on your side because you are the defending champion. You are a defending champion. You have already been given authority in Christ. You have already been given a great inheritance. All you have to do is stand Stand, and having done all, stand 
in that place. And he finally gets to the armor. He says, having fastened on a belt of, oh no, oh, I want to give you this. Lord, I almost lost. Here's five ways to stand. This is such good stuff. This is great. Write it down and make your point stuff. Five ways to stand. Because when you come to the moment of standing, the thing that's easy to do is to get distracted by the noise, to get distracted by something that's trying to pull you back into what you have come from. If you love taking notes, this is your moment. Five ways to stand. The first way is choose. Choose to stand. There is such power in simply making a decision that I have decided that I will stand. I have decided that I will not be moved from my post. I have decided that when God comes to find me, I'll be in the place he told me to be. It's why I think that verse in Joshua is so well known where he says, choose today. Choose today. Where will you find? Choose about yourself that it will be said of me that I was found in the house of God. Choose about yourself that it will be said of me that I was found standing by my spouse all the days of my life. Say about yourself, I have chosen to show up for my family. I have chosen to be a person of integrity. I have chosen to go after every promise that God has for me. I have chosen to stand. I think choosing gives us such a position of power and of authority. And the second is know your circle. What do I mean by that? I mean know your circle of control. I think the thing that gets us off of our standing so fast and so easily and so deceptively is that we are pulled out of our place of standing by trying to fix things and try to be involved in things and getting worried about things that have nothing to do with the place that God has given us authority. I promise you if I have learned anything, it is to know what is inside my circle of control what is inside my circle of authority. And if it's not inside my circle of authority, I might care about it, but I'm not wasting energy on it. If it's outside my circle of authority, I might have concerns about it, but I'm not losing sleep on it. If it's outside of my circle of authority, I might have some thoughts on it, and I might have some opinions on it, but my heart rate is not getting high about it, and my stress is not getting high about it, and me and my partner are not about to be fighting about the fact about something that is outside of our so I am going to waste my fights on things that are on the inside of my circle of authority. And I will spend my stress on things that are on the inside of my circle of authority. I was talking to you, like, you're worrying about what the economy is going to do. Like, you have any ability to fluctuate. The economy is going to do what the economy is going to do. What's inside your circle is to choose to be a person who brings their tithe into the storehouse. To choose to be a person who budgets well. To choose to be a person who has strong work ethic. What's inside my circle of control is what I can do. What's out there? I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, you know, I was thinking about like what might happen if we went to war and how that would change. And I was like, what? I'm just saying, I am not wasting 
sleepless nights and energy on what might happen if we go to war because I don't have any influence on that and I will care about it a lot and I don't want it to happen and it's not part of you know the dreams that I have for my life and my children but I can't control that so I am not going to waste my life getting out of my place of standing on what might be out there I am going to stand inside my circle of authority three I'm going to talk to God This is called prayer, if you want the church word for it. It's talking to God helps us stand and continue to stand. Here's what I think we have to do in our prayers with God. One is we have to get really honest. Please don't go to God with your prayers that are like, most heavenly father, I know that you are highly exalted and that you see your humble servant and I beseech thee, my God. No, you have to get honest with God about what's going on. God, I'm standing here where you told me to stand, but the wind feels so heavy and I didn't see this thing coming. God, I wanted to know, do you still see me? God, I'm doubting what's happening right now. God, I feel exhausted every day. God, I'm not sure what's going on anymore. God, I committed to standing, but my knees feel weak. God, I'm uncertain. God, it looks crazy out there. God, help me see what's inside my circle. God, help me, Jesus. And then we ask him for what we need. God, I need your might. God, I need your answers. God, I need your clarity. God, could you speak to me in this hour? Could you show me what's going on? And then listen. Have you ever asked somebody a question and then just kept talking? I do it all the time. It's like my favorite thing. I'll just ask something and then just keep right on talking and the person's like, did you want me to answer that? Or, and you know what? We do it to God all the time, right? Like we go to God and we're like, God, what is it that you have for our family in this season? God, what is it that you want from us? God, what is it that you need from us? And also I was thinking about this thing and God's like, did you want me to answer that? Or were you just, just listen. Listen to what he says to you when you are in the place of prayer. The fourth way that we continue to stand is worship. When we worship him, when we worship him with our lives, when we decide like we did this morning that I will raise a hallelujah in the midst of everything and I will raise a praise and that the way I fight is not through weapons of of flesh and blood but through the way that I praise you, through the way that I worship you, through the way that I lift up your name. I have learned in seasons of trouble to find a worship to find a song. And what happens is that song becomes your anthem for that season. I can look at, actually, Raise a Hallelujah is a song that in 2019, I was going through something personal and I didn't know how to navigate it. And I remember that song and I would just stand in my living room saying, I don't know about all of that, but I will raise a hallelujah to you. I will raise a hallelujah to you. You have to find something. A friend was texting me this morning who's going through something in their family and they said, man, I've just been listening to that Worship Everywhere album. Or anywhere, is it anywhere or everywhere? The, Israel's new album? Everywhere. 
whatever it is. Israel Houghton released a new album. It's called Worship Anywhere or Worship Everywhere something. It's fantastic. And they said, I've just been listening to that album on repeat because it's just ministering to my soul. You have to find something that connects with you. So in 2020, my song was Rattle by Elevation. If you guys listen to that, yeah. It's like real like rock and like, and if I'm honest, when it first came out in 2020, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it just didn't hit with me, you know? I was like, that's a nice song, but like, it just doesn't hit. And 2020 kept rolling and kept like amping up, you know, the power of like what it was trying to, and I was trying to stand in the middle of it. And by the like end of 2020, it was my like, I'd be crying in my car, like, this is the sound of troubles rattling. Like, just, <laughs> just going, like having to pull over. And I was like, yes, because you have to find a sound that will allow you to lift up a worship. You have to find a sound that will connect you to heaven, that declares of who he is, and that says, no matter what's going on here, there is a worship that I can lift up in the midst of everything, and I will stand. And then we have to find some partners. You have to find partners that you can stand alongside, partners that when you start to feel weak will lean into you, partners that will whisper in your ear the encouragement of God and won't try and get you distracted, partners who remind you of his faithfulness, partners who remind you of what it is that God spoke to you and about you and over you, and partners that will tell you exactly who God is in a season. Be weary of people that when you're feeling weak want to play into that and want to encourage that thing and say, yeah, you know, you really just deserve to sit down anyway. And yeah, you know, maybe that thing just isn't, maybe you just need to settle for less in your life. And maybe God, you know, maybe you just misheard God. It'd be weary of people like that, especially in your standing season. In your standing season, you need some people who will stand alongside you and say, God is a healer and God is a provider. And let me tell you how he did it for me and let me tell you how he loves you and let me tell you how he sees you and let me stand up beside you and let me lean up next to you and let me tell you you're not going to quit in the midst of this storm and you're not going to quit in the midst of this battle and you're not going to lose it just because the enemy wants to take from you you are going to stand up and you are going to make it over to the other side there is more for you so you have to get some people in your life that know how to rally around you in the midst of that season. And you have to be that person for other people. You have to be that person that when you see somebody faltering, you don't lean back and say, ooh, you know, I've seen so-and-so and so-and-so and and they've been posting photos with like other people. And so I'm just not sure. No, why are we those people? We are not. We are the people that when we see things and we hear things that concern us or that we're unsure about, we run to a brother or sister who might be weak and we say, hey, it looks like your knees are getting weak and it looks like you might be trying to sit down right now. It looks like you might be feeling like stepping back and giving up some of what God has given you as your inheritance. Let me just tell you, you're gonna stand up. I wanna encourage you in the things of God and I wanna strengthen you in the things of God. We are those who run to him and who rally around each other when we're feeling weak and now he says wrap yourself 
with the belt of truth. Wrap yourself with a belt of truth. It is the first thing that the warrior would have put on, a leather belt that wrapped around them. And here's the thing about this belt is that it becomes the first stabilizing element that all of the other pieces would be strapped into. All of the additional armor would be hooked onto and held in place because of this belt in its stabilizing position. Additional weapons would be slid into it and held onto by this belt that is in its stabilized place. And as the people of God, we have to be people who love truth, who seek truth, and who hunger after truth. And truth is the clear revelation of who Jesus is. And truth is the thing that rises above the noise and rises above the clutter and is held onto by the people of God. We have a moment in time where truth often seems elusive and truth often seems lost in the mix of everything that is going on. And there can be many perspectives on something and there can be many opinions on something, but at the end of the day, there is a truth on the matter, and we must be people who seek after truth. And can I say we have to ensure that we are those who are sharing truth. And what I mean by that is when we live in such a digital age, it is so easy to fabricate false things and present them like they are real things and like they are true things. And when we go and we just share everything that tickles the ear of what we wanted it to hear or that we think might be kind of interesting and don't do our due diligence as the people of God to find out, is this truth, then we erode the foundational element of our armor that says the thing that holds everything else in place is this stabilizing force of truth, this stabilizing aspect of walking and living and being people who are committed to truth. Truth doesn't always feel good, and it doesn't always sound like popular opinion, and it doesn't always sound like what I want it to sound like, but at the end of the day, truth is what stabilizes who I am and who God has called me to be and allows me to continue to stand in place. And he says, then I want you to put on a breastplate of righteousness a breastplate that covers the bulk of who you are. It covers all of the critical aspects and elements of who you are. This breastplate actually would have most likely had a front piece and a back piece saying that his righteousness covers you in the front and in the back, in your coming and in your going. You are covered in his righteousness, this righteousness that means right living in moral standing and legally justified before God. More simply put, it is just right living. Now our righteousness comes through who Jesus is and the fact that he has purchased our righteousness for us. Most of the gospels is about bringing us to the realization that at the end of ourselves, Jesus is there for us. At the end of all of our effort and all of our trying, that there is Jesus to say, 
I'll do that for you. I'll do that on your behalf. I will bring you into right standing before me. And coming into right standing before him brings us into right living with him. And the Apostle Paul is giving us this picture that your right living becomes a guard and a protection for your life because there is a real enemy out there who really wants to attack you and who really wants to come at you and who really wants to find a gap and a space where he can come in and steal what God has already given to you and living righteously. Right living becomes a guard in that space. A few years ago, Phil and I had a car that was stolen. I think Phil's told this story before, so you may have heard it, but I'm gonna tell it from my side today as well. So this is what happened. I said I was coming home, and I parked our car in our driveway, right? Now, our car has one of those keys that doesn't, like, go into the thing, you know? You just, like, if it's in the car, the car works. So anyone who has one of those cars knows that the great danger of one of those cars is that sometimes you lose track of the key itself, But the car keeps turning on and the car keeps working and it has this like outside number pad thing and so you can get in and out of the car and you haven't seen the key in weeks but it keeps going and it keeps bringing you where you need to go so no one's really that worried about it. So I wasn't that worried about the fact that I couldn't find the key. And I pulled into our driveway and I had the kids with me and so Phil, I think Phil had some friends over. I'm unloading the car, I go in, I'm putting the kids down to bed, we're doing that whole thing, da 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 da. We get everyone down to bed, we come back, it's like two hours later, we're sitting down and I'm like, oh, I better go move the car like into the garage because I left it out so I could unload everyone. And I open the door and I go out into the driveway and there's nothing in the driveway. And it's at this moment that I realized that I forgot to use that little keypad thing on the door to lock our car. So I literally, so we had to call the police. First of all, I had to go back inside and tell my husband, the car is not in the driveway, and I'm pretty sure I left the keys in it. And then we had to go through the incredibly fantastic experience of calling the police and explaining to them, hey, our car has been stolen. And they're like, oh no, what happened? And I'm like, um, I left it unlocked in the driveway with the keys in it. And they're like, did you just leave the door open with a sign that says, hey, does anybody want a car as well? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I know, it was terrible. And so they chased it. We ended up getting our car back. That's the moral of the story. But often we live in a space, I think, where we are not living in line with the righteousness that has been given to us. And we go on behaving like we aren't in righteousness. And what we do when we do that is we forfeit the covering, right? I should have locked my car. That would have created a guard against a thief coming in to steal my car. But I didn't lock my car. And use the mechanism that was given to me as a guard. And in the same way, we don't live in righteous living, which has been given to us as a guard in our front and in our back to protect us against the plans of the enemy. And so we live a life filled with gossiping, and then we wonder why we can't have healthy, fulfilled relationships that should be our inheritance. We live a life that is outside of the plans that God has for us, and wonder why 
why it is that we watch all kinds of craziness, but we don't have any peace inside of our lives. Because God says, I gave you right living to be your guard, to be your guard to the front and to the rear. And it is part of your armor of protection. It is part of the foundational aspects of what I have called you into and who I have called you to be, that you would be guarded by this right living. Everything just isn't for you. If you are going to battle in spiritual realms, everything isn't for you. When Paul's writing to the church in Corinthians, he says it this way. In I think 1 Corinthians 10 and 23, he says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. The question is not, are you allowed to do it? The question is, does it open up your breastplate? Does it create a gap? Does it create a space where the enemy can get in and his plans and his schemes can creep into your life and create division and destruction? Or does it guard you and shield you? And Paul says, I want you to cover yourself with right living that will guard you to the front and to the rear. And then he says, ba, 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 ba. and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Isn't it so interesting that he uses this word, the gospel of peace, as he's talking about putting on armor and making sure that we are ready for battle. Paul is saying that the gospel that we have been given, the good news that we have been given should walk us and bring us into a place of peace. It should bring us into a place. That word peace means harmony, harmony with God and harmony in other relationships. He's saying when you walk into this place, you have found yourself in a gospel, in a good news of peace in a good news that you are now in harmony with who God is and in harmony with the people around you. It's another reminder that the people around you are not your enemies and that the people around us are not who we battle with. That that person that you see as being in opposition to you is not the person in opposition to you. That we are battling in the spiritual realm and that we come with a message of peace. We come with good news that you can be in harmony with God and in harmony with one another. And he says a readiness in these shoes. And the thing about the shoes that these soldiers wore is that they had almost these studs like cleats, like nails on the bottom of them that were designed to give them a sure footing, that were designed to give them a solid foundation to grip the place where they stood and to allow them to stand in such a way that whatever came against them, they wouldn't lose their footing. And Paul says, do you have a readiness to share this sure footing that you have found? 
a readiness to go out and share a message that says, I have something in my life that says I can live at peace, that I don't have to be in turmoil just because there's a battle that's come against me, and I don't have to be in turmoil just because there's a storm that's come against me, and I don't have to be swayed by everything, and I don't have to lose my footing with everything that comes and that with goes. I'm able to stand because he has given me a sure footing because he has given me a solid foundation because I have wrapped myself in his truth and I have covered myself in his righteousness and I have stood ready for what's ahead with a message that is good news I don't know when our message got confused as bad news I don't know when our message became an assault on the hurting and an assault on the poor and an assault on the lost and an assault on the confused and an assault on the struggling. The message we come with is good news. It is good news that you can be at peace. You can be at peace with God and you can be at peace with one another and you can have a sure and stable foundation ask somebody next to you how's your foundation how is the foundation that you stand on is it sure is it steady is it ready and prepared for the days ahead as we stand and prepare to pray, everyone who's in this room or online, I'd love to pray with you right now that your foundation would be steadied, that you would find yourself in a solid place, in a sure footing, that you would know that you have wrapped yourself in his truth, that you would know that there is a righteousness that covers you, and that you would know that you have a good news gospel that stabilizes you. But no doubt there are some of us in this room that haven't yet wrapped ourselves in the truth of who Jesus is or covered ourselves in his righteousness. This is the good news about his righteousness is that we don't have to do anything and we can't possess anything that could possibly get us to earn it. We simply respond to his call. We simply say yes to the opportunity to walk a life with Jesus and it creates in our life a sure, solid foundation. So we're about to pray a prayer all together because I think it's good for all of us to hear it and to be reminded of it. And at the end of that prayer, if you've prayed it for the first time or you're saying, I want to pray this prayer in a way that's making a commitment to return to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands so that we can celebrate and walk with you. The words aren't magic, but they go like this. They say, Jesus, I come to you and I thank you that you see me and that you love me, that you know I'm a mess and you accept me anyway. I thank you for your righteousness. I say yes to you today. I thank you that you died and rose and you thought of me while you did it. And so today, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I say yes to you, Jesus. 